Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with us on demand. Now, demand is one of my favorite tools because you can get the word of God when you want to. And so you are with me today and we're going to take a journey and we're going to talk about alarms today. Why didn't the alarm go off is our theme. What happened when we found ourselves building a house, right? Doing the right things, thought we were going in the right directions, but the alarms didn't go off. What happened? Well, I'll show you today. It's going to be a great study. You don't want to miss it. Sometimes in my life, somebody should have said something. Somebody should have warned me. Something should have said to me, your money is low, boy, stop spending. Somebody should have told me you need to calm yourself down before your nerves get bad. But the alarms didn't go off and I found myself in a bad place. Are you there? Hang with me today. Let me show you something about alarms today. This is going to be a great study. Don't miss this. Stay with me and tell a friend they might need this too. Stay right there. Hey, it's Pastor Rick. Glad you're with me today. Listen, I'm glad you're here today. We've got a great message that I am excited about because it's been helping me. I have been thinking about alarms. Have you ever had that moment where you thought about something so long you said, man, that's like the thought for the week. And for me, the question has been this. Why didn't the alarm go off? Why? 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 Why did I ignore all of the signs that this was a bad direction? Well, sometimes you'll be surprised it's not your fault. Sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes it's because no one ever told you. Sometimes you were blinded by bad theology. You had some scriptural conviction and you never saw. You know, you believe you walk by faith and not by sight. And so you don't have to worry about your bills. You don't have to worry about life. So you just do things. And if you're not careful, you ignore obvious warning signs. And all of us are guilty. All of us are guilty of this. And so I want to take you on a journey and show you what the Bible says about it. And I want you to stay with me. This is going to be really helpful. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4 is where we're going to begin. And I want to read a verse for you. So follow me along. For every house is built by someone. Every house is built by someone. But he who builds all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the, con the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now, think about this for a minute. The bottom line of this verse is pretty simple. Everyone that lives in a house needs to be clear someone built this. Every house is built by someone. That's the first thing he says. Now, if, if your house is built by someone, the question is, did they build it right? Did they put the right elements into it? Now, for a lot of us, we don't always know. Sometimes we have cultural habits in our families, things that we, ways we think, and we don't even know where it came from. Some things have been grown around us, and you just notice everybody's mean. Everybody, what you say? Everybody ready to fight. You know, they grab, you know, they start, they start, hey, hey. I mean, you can just, <laughs> you can say anything to them, and they are ready to go with you toe to toe, and you don't know where that came. Well, let me tell you where it came from. You ready? Here's the big answer now. You ready? Culture. They grew it. The word culture it really is about soil. The word cultivate is where it really is, is, is linked to. It's linked to that idea of you plant something in the ground and it grows and it becomes this crop of anger. Everybody mad. Everybody always mad in this family. We're mad about mad. We mad because we mad. We always cussing. We a cussing fam. We cuss. We sow seeds of cuss words and we just cuss. We just there go a couple of words right there. Bam. I mean that's how <laughs> that's how some of you some and I grew up in a family now. They, they guy they said some pretty big words. My mama didn't cuss now, but the boy, whoo, I had some members of the family. 
big bad words. But anyway, so so a lot of family, that's what they do. If they fight, they fight. Man, they, watch out, watch out. I'll hit you. I mean, <laughs> that's how you live. You, you live your life like that. And, and I, I don't know that they realize that that becomes the soil. The reason they don't have money, the reason they can't get along, they can't stay, they can't stay in relationships is because they develop this culture that's hard for other people to manage. And sometimes if you're not careful, you don't see that until it's too late. Let me give you a definition for culture. You ready? Right, right. This is just too cool. Watch this. Here it is. Here you go. Number one. Culture is the characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people encompassing language, religion, cuisine, and social habits, music, and arts. The word culture derives from a French term, which in turn derives from the Latin colère, which means to tend to the earth and grow or cultivate and nurture, the idea of cultivation and nurture is all this word basically means. Culture. You grew it. You're planning it, and it's why you're the way you are. And so your family just don't hear cussing alarms. You don't hear no alarm. You can cuss all you want. You can fight all you want. That alarm, no alarm goes off. Nothing. No, no moral alarms, no boundaries. Everything is free. Everybody does what they want to do. And we raise little children, and they little cussers, and they little fighters, and that's how, that's how we live. That's our culture. And I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying that's why it's like this. If you look around your life right now, and everything that you see is part of your culture, and some things are forced upon you, some things are created by other people, I believe in that. So you didn't, you didn't do all the culture developing yourself. But there is an element of your involvement. And right now, for some of you, you were raised in a bad culture, right? But now you're maintaining it. You know it's bad, but you're not changing it. So I want you to think about this for a second. And I want to give you a couple of questions to just kind of ponder. So I'm going to put them up on the screen, and I want you to think about these. Here you go. Number one, what kind of house have you built? What kind of house have you built? Can you name what you're building in your life? What are you building? Number two, what kind of house have we built? Now, what kind of house have you built and what kind of house have we built? Then thirdly, what kind of house were we supposed to build? So you had one thing in mind, but now you've built something else. And number four, what kind of house do we normally build? You know, it's, it's important for you to understand that you built some things and that we built some things. And it wasn't what we thought we were going to build. But if we're really honest, it's what we normally build. Let me say it again. So you, 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 you have to admit that you built some things. You put some things in this family culture. You did. Okay. And, and you have to admit that you did that. But then there's some things that you didn't do by yourself. We did it as a group. We all got together and did it. And then you have to be clear and say, you know, this wasn't what we were supposed to build. This wasn't, this wasn't supposed to be this way. But it's what we normally do. If you look at us for the generations, for the last several years, this is what we tend to do. This is our normal directions. And so the question is, do you want to continue to do that? And if you don't want to continue to do that, that means you've got to say, these are the things we don't want to do. And what we're going to do is we're going to change this. And that means we've got to put some alarms in. We've got to decide that this is not what we want to do. And that's what the book of Hebrews is all about. Getting you to look at your cultural convictions and say, these are things we don't value anymore. And we want these things to be removed. And that's going to require your family and you 
to hear God differently. You're going to have to put on a different set of ears for just a minute and consider something. So for just a minute, let me sound an alarm and get you to pause with me and just think with me. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 gives a list of things that are important if you want to change this. you got to hear differently and you've got to make sure that you don't harden your heart and rebel against what you're about to hear. Now, listen to me carefully. It all starts with you hearing something different. It all starts with you saying, I know this isn't good. And so I've got to take a different stance. So let me read for you verse 7 of the same chapter, chapter 3. Here's what he says. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the days of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray. Listen carefully to that. They always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Now, I want to show you the right approach and I'm going to show you a wrong approach. Hearing is the right approach. If you really want to change, if you really want to hear alarms, you got to be willing to hear. You got to be willing to open your ears and say, "Okay, when that goes off, I'm going to stop. I'm willing to hear. That's the right approach. Here's the wrong approach. Rebelling, hardening your heart. Don't tell me what to do. Do what I want to do. That's the wrong approach. That means I don't want any alarms. I don't want anybody stopping me. I don't want anybody telling me anything. And let me tell you, that is a trap. Then number three, learning of the failures. That's the right approach. Learning of the failures of people in your past, learning of your own failures is the right approach. When you can say, I get it. I get it. I, I, I get it. I, I, I look at what happened with my cousin, my aunt, my nephew, and I, I get it. Learning the right approach. Then I've learned something else that's important. He said this. He said, your fathers did this in verse 9, and they tested me. And he describes this incredible, almost um, tragic summary where he says, it's a family tradition. It's a tradition that doesn't just... Um, <laughs> show up in one generation. He said, you're plural, your fathers. You know, in some of our families, the men have been drinking for years, for generations. Sometimes it's hard to think of one guy that didn't. They've always cheated on their wives. Everybody did. Part of the culture is what we've grown. So we've grown young men who cheat. That's what they do. And then he says this incredible thing in verse 10. He said, you always go astray. They always always go astray. It, it's always, it, they always go astray. And they, they learn to do wrong from people that are doing wrong and they learn to be destructive from those who are destructive. God's response is pretty profound. He said, you know, you're testing me. The way he said it was so profound. He said, you know, it's kind of like, you, you know, you ever said somebody said, don't try me. You ever heard that before? And that's exactly what's happening. This great test, this great trial, this great push God up against the wall. He said, they saw my works in verse 9. You saw, you saw the outcome. 
You, you saw what, what happened. He said, then the, the, I was angry. They, they kept doing things, and I ended up being angry with that entire generation. And if you read Numbers chapter 13, there's a tremendous story where Israel goes into the wilderness, and he tells them, he said, I want you guys to go over and spy out the land, and I want, to, I want to give you this land. And they go spy out the land, they come back and say, we can't, we can't defeat those people. There's too many of them. They're too strong. And then they just basically say, send us back to Egypt. This is an awful idea. We should have never left. And they just complain, and they whine, and they, it, was, it was amazing. And so in chapter 13 of Numbers, basically, God says, you know what? I'm not going to give you the land. And so you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so here's what he says. I want you guys to look at what happened to people who, did, who culturally went astray. I want you to look at people who didn't listen to the alarms. I want you to listen to people who said things they shouldn't have said and watch what happened. He said, I want you to load. They tried me. They tested me. And they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, sometimes you can learn a lot by looking at other people who fail. You can learn a lot by looking around your family and say, oh, man, all these people have gone astray. And they always go astray. They're always getting high. They're up. They're down. They're always up. If that is what you've seen, well, maybe you ought to say, maybe I don't want that for my life. Maybe I don't want to be the person who's always apologizing, always having to say I'm sorry. Maybe at some point you have a moment when you look at the crap in your life and you look around and you go, man, I, I don't like this. There's nothing in this I want. And I love what he says in verse 10. He said, in verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 3, he said, you guys don't even know my ways. You're not even trying to learn how I am. And so here's the deal. You can't have the rest I have for you. There's, there's no way you're going to enter in verse 11 into the rest I have planned for you. And it's all because you have made a decision. So what kind of decision have you made? Have you made a decision that you're not going to ever hear the alarms that are going off around you? Have you made a decision that you're never going to change? Have you made a decision that this is going to be it for the rest of my life? The temptation is to say, Pastor Rick, based on my response, I guess I have not been listening to any alarms. Because somewhere deep in your soul and in your heart, you have an opinion. Oh, yeah, somewhere deep down in your heart, you know this is not good. And that's the warning he gives us in verse 12. Beware, brethren, he said, look at this, verse 12. Beware, at least there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing. From the, live, from the living God, but exhort one another day, daily while it's called today. Least, listen to this now, any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Beware of the consequences for rebelling. Watch this now. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it's still today. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For who having heard, rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses. He said, you know what? I don't want you guys to be like them. I don't want you to take it upon yourself to live contrary to what you know is best. Now, here's the deal. I am not trying to push some kind of religious super guilt on you. I am not trying to get you to somehow think that you're supposed to be perfect because you're not. As a matter of fact, I really believe one of the, the bad things we do is we, we live in a, in a Christian environment or in a spiritual environment where everybody's always blowing alarms. Everything is an alarm. If you put some jewelry on, it's an alarm. If you uh, make a mistake, it's an alarm. And, and that's called legalism. I'm not proposing that. And I'm not advising you to go around being nervous because you're not perfect. I'm not advising that either. Here's what I'm saying. Are there any alarms? They, they had no alarms. They, they went completely astray. They, and he, I love the, he said they always go astray. Is that you? Is that what you're doing? And I want you to just think about what that could mean. If you were to make the decision 
to not allow yourself to live that way. What if you were to decide today, you know what? I'm tired of this alarm. I'm tired of ignoring this one. I'm tired of ignoring this strife. I'm going to let God help me today. Today is my day to make a change in my life direction. Now, I'm about done. And I don't, I've learned that you don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking to people for them to get it. I've learned that sometimes people can just hear you just in a few minutes and make a decision. So let me invite you to do something. Make a decision. What are, what, what are the alarms that need to be placed in your life to change your life direction? Is it every time you and your wife get into an argument, are you willing to say, when our volume gets to this level, I want an alarm to go off. I'm not, I'm not yelling at my wife anymore. When I start swinging and yelling and cussing at my children, because I wouldn't want anybody else to do that, I want an alarm to go off in my head. When it's time for me to face my money and deal with it, I want an alarm to go off and say, let's deal with it. Some of you are facing a crisis right now. If you could just sit down and deal with it, you might put your heads together and fix it. An alarm should go off. It's time to unite, not, not divide. Get together. Solve it. Talk together. Stop blaming each other. There's something about those alarms. Now, I'll tell you something that's really amazing. During um, this season of challenge for our nation, a lot of alarms have gone off in my head that didn't go off before, and that surprises me. There are a lot of things I didn't see. There are a lot of things I didn't notice. And, and it's not until this moment came when I had to say, man, wow, what if, I, what if I had to live off what I got saved right now? If, that, if that, that's all I had. What, 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 what kind of um, provisions have I made? An alarm went off in my head. You need to do better. Do better. You may have done some, but you need to do even better. An alarm went off. When I look around and I see people getting sick, and I see some not paying attention at all. An alarm's gone off in my head. Now I'm going to do all I can. Uh, I'm not going to be a victim if I can help it. An alarm has gone off in my head. Pay attention. Do all you can. Wash your hands. Cover your face. Do all you can to protect yourself. And if you are challenged and if you do catch something, protect others. An alarm should go off. I'm infected. I should Look out for other people. Do my best to protect those around me. An alarm should go off in the minds of bosses. You, you got employees that are challenged right now. You should help them where you can. An alarm should go off. You can afford it. Give them an extension. You can afford it. Give them more days off. Double their, double their sick time. You can do it. You have the resources. Don't just protect yourself. Protect your staff and your employees. An alarm should go off. When one is done wrong in this culture, when people are sick or don't have access to health care or they're struggling, an alarm should go off. We should all care, all of us. A church or pastor should care. Why would you gather your people together and you know they could get sick? Why would you take the risk and not take the precautions? I'm not saying you can't. We're not. Too many people. I can't protect them all. So I made a decision. No, because there's thousands of them and I can't protect them. No. An alarm went off in my head. 
If 165,000 deaths, 170,000 deaths don't make an alarm go off in your head, you need to get your alarm checked. There's no way in the world that you should not be on your knees asking God for help. There's no way that you should not see the strife in this community and the division in our politics and alarm didn't go off in your head. There's no way in the world that you should ignore what's happening. A house divided, the Bible said, against itself cannot stand. And you got you on your hobby horse, your political hobby horse. Them dead liberals, them dead liberals, I'm telling you, there's socialists, them there Republicans, no good Republicans, no good conservative evangelicals. I got my own political views now. Don't fool yourself. And I can espouse them very clearly. But I want to say this. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Let the alarm go off for you. That's what needs to happen. We need to have this deep sense that, man, we can't make it. We, we can't make it. We can't make it. There's no you going to win, I'm going to lose. We need to win together. We're on one boat. The boat sink, we all go down together. Democrat side, Republican side, independent side, black side, white side, Asian side, Indian side, American side. The world will be polluted if we don't take care of the environment. We all go down together. Everybody loses. And sometimes I'm concerned about us. Because in religious people, especially not you, 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 you don't have any alarms at all because you know everything. You know everything, everything. We know everything. We know God. We know Jesus. We got the Holy Spirit. We have the Bible. And we just know everything. And we're some of the most divided people, if we're honest. Divided ethnically. Divided racially. The roots of racism was hidden behind religious folks. They sat there with their Bible in their hand and watched slavery go on. They sat there and watch people abused. I see black people who are unkind to white people. I see white people that are unkind to black people. Wait a minute, Pastor Rick, why why you jump on that? Because it's the truth. Men are unkind to women. They're black men who beat their wives. They're white men who beat their wives. They're, they're, They're white men who are unfair. The sin has affected all of us. And what we all need to do, all of us, black, white, young, yellow, tall, white, screen, whatever, all of us need to have a, a moment of reckoning with our alarm systems because the alarms aren't going off. And that ought to concern you more than your politics, more than anything, that you can watch somebody insult another ethnic group and it doesn't bother you. Did you crack jokes on people? Because you you're not gay, so you, you laugh at gay people. <laughs> really? I'm not supporting anything. I'm a proud heterosexual man, love my wife. I'm not trying, I'm not supporting. I got my own views, but that's not the point. We're in the world together. All of us, listen to me, look at me. We're in the world together. We are in the world together. Fornicators, non-fornicators, gay, non-gay, straight, crooked, criminal, non-criminal. Everybody's here together. All of us together on the same boat. Look around you. We've got to find a way, police officer, non-police officer, Everybody is on the same boat, all of us. The problem is we don't treat each other well. And the problem is sometimes we religious people aren't any help. Sometimes we are, we are just as bad as anybody else. Religious people watch Hitler kill all those people. 
Religious people allowed folks to be slaughtered. Religious people throughout the world have not always stood up for what was right. You may be saved. You may be sanctified. You may be filled with the Holy Ghost. But girlfriend, boyfriend, brother, man, sister, girl, brother, man, whatever you are, preacher or not, you have ignored some things and you need to pause for a minute and say, Jesus. Man. Why don't I care about the poor white farmer up there that's struggling, trying to keep his farm alive? Because I'm a black man and there's a history of slavery in this country. I don't care about him. Well, maybe he don't care about me. That's our problem. We need to stop not caring. I need to care about his farm. He needs to care about my health care. We need to care about each other. Everybody needs to care about everybody. That's where the difference is made. You don't care about the police officer until you need a 911 call and then you want him to come real quick and risk his life to save you. Maybe he ought to say, I'm busy too. Maybe he ought to say, ah, why should I come and pull your husband off of you? Now, I understand that some of them need to be dealt with. That's fine. Now, let's deal with them. Let's deal with those one, the ones. But let's be clear. We need each other. We need each other. And we need to do right by each other. And that, my friend, is the truth. You know, I never thought I was going to be a preacher anyway. Be real honest with you, I didn't think I was going to do this. I don't know how in the world I got here. I've been doing this for 39 years, and I just wonder sometimes, how in the world did I get here? I've been preaching for longer than that. I've been preaching about five years longer than that. About 44 years I've been preaching. I, I know that for me it's a shock. I was an unchurched person, didn't go to church at all. We didn't go to church when I came up. Every now and then. Maybe like twice, three times a year. And then I didn't understand what they were doing in there all the time anyway. So I'm not really truly a church person. I'm an unchurched person who came to God. I'm an unchurched person that God reached down and saved. I'm an unchurched person who didn't know why you run around and scream and holler about Jesus. I didn't know about none of that. I, I knew a few gospel songs and I considered myself a Christian, but I didn't know what that meant. But bottom line is none of that meant any sense to me. But let me tell you what didn't make sense to me. When the living God reached down and changed my life, when the living God gave me faith and I saw his power work in my life and change my life. When he took a young black boy who was born in Savannah, Georgia, raised in Los Angeles, California, dropped in Savannah, Georgia for a couple of years during high school just to give him a little taste of a town that he wanted to call him back to because he wanted to use him to preach the gospel in that town. I'm that black boy. I'm the one that God reached out. I'm the guy that used to walk down the streets in Los Angeles with a little boom box on my, on my shoulder on Sunday morning playing I Want You Back and ABC. Easy as one, two, three. That was me. Loud. Dribbling my basketball. I didn't care about no church, but somewhere God touched me and changed my life. And that is what I am happy about. All this other stuff, my friend, is not what matters to me. He touched me and put alarms in my life. He touched me and changed my attitude. He touched me and he's given me more than I could ever imagine. But there are some things he's still doing in me. Recently. Ricky, I've been working on you, but let me tell you, there are a few alarms missing in your life. I want to fix your resources. I want to fix your, your life. I want, to, I want to rearrange some of the words you say. I want to put some alarms on you. Are you willing to let God do that for you today? Are you willing for God to pull you aside with your saved, sanctified Bible, told know everything, been in Jesus for a thousand years self, and let him put some more alarms in your mouth and put some alarms in your attitude and change the way you approach some things? Are you willing to allow God to rewrite things? 
Some of you preachers are wondering why God's got us at home. Maybe he says, you need to go home and I need to do some surgery on you, put some alarms in you because you're not, you're not listening to the alarms anymore. You're so busy tied up in your buildings that you can't hear me anymore. So go to your house and think about it. Maybe we're on time out. Maybe it's time for us to think about what God wants to say to us. And I'll tell you one thing. I believe what he wants to say is don't harden your heart. The moment you hear my voice. Mm, my, my, my. Man, verse 15 of chapter 3 of Hebrews. Mm, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. Don't be like they were in the wilderness rebelling against me. Right now, for some of you, this is that moment. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus today. Some of you need to pray with me right now because you need to give your life to Jesus. Some of you are on a device where you can raise your hand and say, I want to give Jesus my life. Click that thing and raise your hand. I don't know. Some of you are there. Some of you are not there. If you're not there, I want you to email me and say, Pastor Rick, I'm, I'm praying with you today. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. Email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org and say, Pastor Rick, I want Jesus in my life. I want to I want to transform. I want I want God's grace in my life. Uh, you're not going to be perfect overnight and you may not hear all the alarms when they go off. It takes a while. But I'll tell you one thing. You heard the alarm today. As long as you hear today's alarm. My goal is to hear today's alarm. I may not have heard the ones years ago. I may not have heard the ones a weeks ago, but I hear the one today. I hear today. I hear God talking to me today. So let me talk to you. I want you to pray with me today. And I want you to let this alarm go off in your life. And I want you to let God change you. Father, I pray for those who've listened today. I pray that I've said something that would be helpful to them. And I pray, God, that they would, they would hear that everyone's building something, cultivating something. And what they've cultivated, they don't want to cultivate anymore. They, don't, they want to grow something different. You came and died on the cross to give them a chance to be free. So I pray this would be that moment in their life when they would be free. But this would be that moment of transformation. And so, God, I give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It all starts with a prayer. It all starts with you saying, I heard the alarm. And when the alarm goes off, you walk up to it and you type in the code. Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, -S, cuts it off. You cut the, cut the alarm off and you stand there and now you, you're clear. You're clear. Imagine your life being clear right now. Imagine you can start all over again. Imagine right now that whatever happened in your past is forgiven. Imagine starting a brand new beginning. You, your wife, your children, your family, your business. Right now, starting over again. And you can say, it all started that day. I heard a sermon and an alarm went off. And I heard the alarm and I went up to the alarm pad and I typed in J-E-S-U-S. -S, Jesus. He died for me to give me a chance to start again. I want to thank you for being with me for these few minutes. And if you were touched by what you heard today, I want you to do a couple of things. One is on some of your devices where you're watching, and some of the means you have a, a point where you can click there and raise your hand. I want you to do that. That means, yes, I received Jesus as my Savior. Several have done that. We've really been impressed with that technology. And some of you say, well, Pastor, I'm not where I can do that. Well, you can email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org and say, Pastor, I'll raise my hand. I, I want to receive Christ, and I'll send you something electronically to help you start your life with Jesus. And then, then I want to do this. I want to invite you to do this. If you, if you say, well, I can't do any of that, just tell somebody. Just, just, just make sure you just start. Let this be the beginning and come back and join us again and let us help you grow in your walk with Jesus. Well, I pray you're blessed by today's message. You know, that word that says the moment you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Don't allow yourself to get into a place where you have a consequence you don't need in your life. 
there's a moment in your life when you make a decision to respond today. You heard the alarm, you let yourself get up and deal with that situation and say, I saw that, I'm stopping it right now today. And for some of you, this is the day. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who heard an alarm today. Something went off in their heart and mind and they said, I'm going to stop saying those words, behaving in that way, because I've heard God's word to my life. I've heard a good instruction for me. And so I pray for them today that this will be the beginning of a new life and a new beginning of peace and grace. And so I thank you for them and I speak blessing over them today in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, my name is Ricky Temple. Thanks for being with me today. I pray it was a blessing to you. I want you to stay connected and I want you to pay attention to the alarms. And maybe it's time for you to set some alarms for yourself and say, I want to make sure I don't fall into this trap again. I know I'm doing that in my life. I pray God blesses you. I'll see you next time right here on demand with me, Pastor Rick. Have a great day.